This is The CW Spiral, a podcast run by three survivors of the CW's colon in 2022. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden, bringing you history about the network and the WB, the latest news and in-depth sportable discussions of the best and messiest shows to ever grace the small screen. Okay, just so y'all know, we are abandoning the CW for this pod episode. But that is okay. Also, Michael is not with us, but he will be on next pod. Um, We're actually going to talk about music. It's something we nerd out together about a lot, but y'all don't know that. We've been planning this episode for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, we get to do it. Um, Reed, I feel like we should start with, like, what we're listening to now. Yeah, well... I feel like I'm in a music rut because I'm like, it's the beginning of the year. Stuff hasn't really come out yet. Like the new stuff is still trying to like, you know, it's not that time yet. So I feel like what I've been listening to for the past year, maybe the whole world too, is just Taylor Swift. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love, I think my favorite song that's out right now that came out last year is Greedy by Tate McRae. Mm -hmm. So good. X's too. She's so good she is actually she's part of the reason why i now have an upbeat mix on spotify but like, <laughs> you know i am very like alternative and like it's a lot of instrumental music too so when the upbeat mix popped up i was like oh, is that because of tate but I think, it's of, <laughs> I think it's like because of tate and i've been listening to um choice of on a lot too Ooh. and um yeah. I had revisited Renaissance as well. Like Cozy is being played a lot. So it was Church Girl and Virgo's Groove. Ooh. So I think that's, that's what's that's happening. That's like the holy trinity of that album, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> but like, so I'm not, I guess what I'm listening to besides my upbeat mix is I've been listening to like lo-fi beats and instrumental during work because it's easy to concentrate. And mm. then my usual staples which is Paramore, Fall That Boy, <laughs> a little bit of States Champs, and Charlotte Sands. I mean, that's the classics. Yes, I mean, you can't go wrong with the first Paramore album, right? <laughs> like, you really yeah. can't. I really that was like that was, that was our teenhood. It was. It, it, it definitely was. Yeah, we lived through that. <laughs> that was me navigating when exactly I could blast that album. From my, um, it's not a boombox. What is it? Stereo. From my stereo yeah. when no one else was in the house. I have a visceral memory of my freshman year of high school. For whatever reason, they were playing music in the cafeteria during lunch. Like, nice. I'm not talking about just like over the loudspeaker. Like, they had speakers. And I was like, what is I don't remember. <laughs> I, to this day, I don't remember why. But I remember hearing two songs vividly. And it was Misery Business by Paramore and Bubbly by Col- Colby Calais. <laughs> <laughs> Like that, that just screams 2007. <laughs> it does, but it's also like those are two different sides of the music spectrum. Yeah, the the mix was mixing, I'll say that. <laughs> I, but like Bubbly is also a classic. Isn't that the song they played over? Um, oh, what is that Canyon romance coming to Netflix? Canadian? No, Canyon, the, the Western thing. Oh, that... <laughs> <laughs> I was like Canadian romance. Oh, uh, Ransom Canyon? Okay, yes. The deadline, I believe, was Deadline played bubbly over top of their post for 
Really? Yeah. And I was like, I was like, ooh, I was singing it. I was like, this, if this is what the show is about, I'll be tuned in. Yeah. And now I need <laughs> that song to be in it. I hope so. I mean, I hope they license it because it, it, I feel like it would fit. <laughs> I, everyone needs a good, uh, low stakes romance to tune into. yeah. And I feel like now that we're talking about music and the TV overlap, I feel like that's kind of fostered our love for music too, because very much when we were growing up, TV was all about either putting popular songs in shows or helping launch new bands. It's not really happening as much these days just No. because of the way the industry has changed and the way music consumption has changed. But I feel like that used to be such a big part of life. Like I remember being like 12 and needing to get the second One Tree Hill soundtrack to get Halo by Bethany Joy Flats. <laughs> and like it just doesn't happen as often now. No, they don't. So they, I remember vividly, you know, you'd watch your teen drama and then at the end they'd have like the cover art for the single or for the album at the end of the episode. And they would tell you this, the, um, the artist and the, and the song and where you could get it. And that's what you would wait for at, at the end. I love it. ABC Family did that. I think the CW did that. We're mentioning the CW. She's got her mention in. <laughs> I remember at one point, uh, MTV2 used to have just like a bumper at the bottom, like during Oh, that the would hills. tell you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like whenever a song played, it'd be like artist, album, song. And... I don't know why we don't do it anymore. I feel I know. like, <laughs> funnily enough, Fire Country is doing it in terms of like, there's there's country artists that they're tying to these reruns that they're showing on CBS. Like, I feel like every week I'm seeing some type of advertisement for an up and coming country artist who's being spotlighted by Fire Country. Uh, they're not on until February 16th, but they're milking the, these reruns by letting people know like so-and-so is going to be doing a live performance after this episode of Fire Country. Do they ever have anybody like in the show performing? Um, so Billy, I'm sorry. I don't remember your last name. Burke. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but he... <laughs> He he played actually a song Oh, cool. in in the show. They had Kane Brown, but Kane Brown did not sing in his Fire Oh, Country episode, which was interesting. interesting. But Yeah. I feel like for season two, since they keep highlighting these artists, we will actually see them perform. I mean, the town has a bar that has a stage, and that's where Billy Burke's character Vince Leon Leone was playing. So I figure they probably will start Yeah. doing that. I mean, that was the big part of teen dramas is to having a location where you can just randomly get like, why was Jimmy Eat World in Tree Hill, North Carolina? <laughs> Like, it doesn't make sense, but it was great that they had a venue that they could just put in the OC, too. In 902 NL, they had random people come to the beach club. Like, why was Rita Ora at the Beverly Hills Beach Club? <laughs> no one knows but, but see what you're talking about though is reminding me of charms bar but i can't remember if they had actual bands playing or if we were um that they actually announced uh, who was playing or if they were local musicians who we didn't get the name of I think Buffy did that too because they had the in the in the 90s and 2000s the teens were clubbing at age appropriate clubs in Buffy they went to the bronze there would always be people playing at that place and that show wasn't even about the music <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it felt necessary to the plot a lot of the times now I feel like when you hear songs in shows particularly in teen dramas we're front loading in the first few episodes the hits a few deep Yeah. cuts and then they start sprinkling in and sometimes it matches up to the scene in a significant way but the majority of time not so much
Yeah, the summer I turned pretty is really doing the heavy lifting and bringing back the soundtrack. Mm. I see what you're saying. There's some shows on like Netflix where like the first few episodes you're like, oh, I love this song. And then by like episode eight, you're like, I've never heard this song in my life. Like what, <laughs> what royalty free song is this? <laughs> <laughs> but like the summer I turned pretty is just like banger after banger. And you're right. Sometimes the song matches the vibe and sometimes it's just like, so we wanted this song in the episode and I can't hate that. Like I, I would do that too if I was creating a show. I'd be like, we're getting this Katy Perry song in whether you like it or not. I don't care if it fits the scene. This <laughs> <laughs> is going to be blasting from somebody's phone. Yeah, why not? I remember oh. um, when I was a teenager and I thought that I could be a screenwriter and I would like write songs into the episodes of my quote show. And I told my brother once, I was like, oh, and then in this one scene, she's going to be singing a Matchbox 20 song in her dorm room. And he was like, what's the importance of that? And I was like, there is no importance. I just want her to like Matchbox 20 because I like Matchbox 20. Just like <laughs> had, had no point in the plot, but it was fun. <laughs> well, it is new. Then you can seed it for like maybe at the end of the season, Matchbox 20 comes to the college. Right. I mean, the vision was there. Yes. Especially when you were writing because then, <laughs> then it actually would have been possible. There are a lot of shows now. There's no random band that's coming to the show for whatever odd reason. Like, I don't know, the tour bus ran out of gas or like the, there's a layover in this small town and they just have to be here for the next 24 hours and they're going to run around with the cast. Like we don't do that anymore on TV. We need to bring her back. We do, especially in this age in which like promoting is really hard outside of social media. Yeah, we can't rely on TikTok forever. No, especially because not all of us are on TikTok. Yeah. Me being Ooh. one of the people who's not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> say it. <laughs> <laughs> But I think, um, I feel like network TV needs to get back into it because they're, they were the tastemakers in terms of some dramatic moment happened and it's mm -hmm. set to this song. And this is the song that you're going to be playing for the next month because you're emotionally tied to it now. And you're going to, there's fan videos all over the place with the song on it. They, um, yeah. they don't do that too much anymore. So I just don't, I feel like we need to get it's back been... to it almost 20 years and i think that people still associate chasing cars by snow patrol and how to save a life by the freight with Grey's anatomy because that was one of the best sinks i think in the history of television <laughs> like it just doesn't get better than those two like it's so emblematic of that show that time period mm -hmm. and it you just don't hear that anymore and i think too the oc had some of the best like you can't hear some of these songs and not think of like oh that was the song one of our co-workers was just mentioning um the season two finale of the oc mm -hmm. when marissa shoots ryan's brother and that um i think it's imogen heap song is playing like you can't not think of that what song is it hide and seek because i can't uh, remember it i don't know what it's called it's the one that jason derulo made the mm, what you say oh okay i don't know what it's called though I don't remember what it's called. I, I feel like, you know, as soon as it starts playing, the, the title of the song would jump right to the forefront of the brain. Yeah, but when it's not playing, you're trying to think. I don't know. For me, though, it's um, A Drop in the Ocean by Ron Pope from The Vampire Diaries with the call between See, Steph and Elena. Yeah, I don't, I haven't gotten through The Vampire Diaries to so the music. I know that was a big one for music. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know the references yet. 
Okay, let me see if I, since you were talking about the OC, do you remember Dice? I think it's by Yes. Damien Rice. That run Yeah. through the party to get to Marissa. Iconic. Very iconic. I, when I, re, when I had done my rewatch of the OC one time, literally that's all I was listening to was Dice. <laughs> it's just because So it's good. just right in the ear. It's such a good song. I can't think of songs though right now for modern television that's on like, that's actually broadcasting that I can remember a song from from last year. I mean, maybe Stranger Things with the running up that hill, but that's like not, it It's wasn't still streaming, new. though, you Yeah. know. Though, um, what was they they were wearing out um that need the hero song because it showed up in three different streaming shows and one of them was Loki, I believe. Um, so, I mean, everyone does have a lot of similar tastes. I just would like to, I don't know, feel connected to a moment more. I mean, I guess things to the next, to the latest episode of Percy Jackson, which by the way, if you haven't seen episode five, meet me for like a minute or so, because you'll want to be fresh for this, for this needle drop. But they played Hathaway's, um, what is love in the, in the tunnel, And I just, I, the, I got the biggest smile while watching. And really, I just realized I think I spoiled that for you. My bad. Oh my gosh. It's fine. It's fine. I, I love a spoiler. <laughs> It makes me more excited to watch it. oh, it's really, it's, it's such a great needle drop. It's my favorite needle drop so far that they've done because the series, uh, so far, I think there's one song in, um, in each episode, except for episode four, there isn't a song that they, they, they did. But each of the songs seems to have, like do some storytelling of its own. Like I love uh, the inclusion of Logical by Olivia Rodrigo in the Yeah, premiere. that one was tucked in to the to the first episode. Like, if you didn't know it, you wouldn't have heard it. Mm -mm. And but I loved it though because it felt like it really did match Sally. Uh, Yeah, I'm still I confused why she was on that balcony in the rain, but that's not the point of this podcast. We'll talk about that offline. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think it was for the drama with it. But yes, we will talk about it off off pod. I think what else did they have? They had Arthur's theme, which I had never heard that song before, but it is from the movie Arthur, and that felt like it was it connected to Percy in the sense that like they want him to be one way, and he just cannot be like the the gods who backstab and betray one another and manipulate, and he just really wants to be his own person, and he continues to be his own person. But I, just, I think right now, that's the only show I could think of where I feel like I'm attached to the music. But that also might be because they literally aren't wearing me out with five different songs in an episode. It's one per episode. Mm hmm Yeah. Although I do, I, I don't know. I like a lot of music. I do too, but I feel like in some shows, it doesn't need it. Like sometimes it just feels like they had a budget and they wanted to spend it. Yeah, it's kind of like, I don't know if you ever watched The Hills on MTV, Mm-hmm. but um, in every, like, at the end of every scene and in introducing another one, they do, like, the B-roll of, like, Los Angeles and be a song playing for like three seconds to like move us forward to the next song. It would be every single scene. <laughs> so like by the end of the episode, there's like 10 songs from the episode in a 22 minute episode. I think for a while we were dealing with the, the hillsification of music syncs on TV, which was a, a it was a time. It's definitely an era. It was, but it, and it launched careers. So I don't want to be like, I don't want to poo-poo it. Like it, it did help people get recognition outside of their local areas, which, okay, I feel like this is a time to talk about the ways in which for certain generations, 
there was such a thing as you wouldn't hear a song if you weren't from a certain region. And now This is true. that's not necessarily the case because of the streaming sites. You don't have to be in um, the South or the Northeast or wherever somebody is popping to actually have heard of them. Yeah, there definitely were regional hits because one of my best friends is from New York and like there's a lot of overlap in our taste because we grew up at the same time. We like saw a lot of the same artists, but she'll like bring up some like random house song. And she'll be like, oh, they play this on the radio all the time when we were kids. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but I guess in New York, the radio station just had a bigger reach. They played different songs. Whereas like when you get a little bit more regional, it caters to a different audience. Even if it's a top 40 station, there's some songs they just don't play because they don't connect with a certain area. That's a bummer, but it's often a popularity contest and still is. It is, but like at least then I feel like it might have been a little bit easier for local artists to get spins. Now it's about dropping things on on like platforms in which everybody music platforms where everyone could hear them. But before, you know, they would be going to the stations trying to get their record played. Yeah, it's weird because I feel like um, radio defined the hit, but it now feels like radio is catching up with the hits. Like you don't really hear a song on radio unless it has like a significant amount of streams or if it's popular on TikTok. Yeah. So it's kind of like backwards, whereas like radio really was the be all end all at a certain time. You had to be on the radio to be heard, to have a hit and now it's like radio is like oh that one's popular let's put it on so that i feel like there's delayed hits too where it's like we've been hearing this song for a month and radio is just now catching up Mm -hmm. and you and feel a lot like of people you probably don't even listen to the radio anymore i'm guilty of that like i really i put it on when i like let's be honest sometimes bluetooth just doesn't work and my phone yes just does not want to play spotify in the car so like i will toggle through like six radio stations and try to find songs that i want to listen to i feel you because then it's just like what station can i find this local that i would be fine listening to like obviously there are going to be things i want to skip but you can't do that with radio so what would i still slightly enjoy if i could i didn't have the possibility to just especially if there's only like six radio stations that i like listening to like yeah sabrina this is going to be tragic to you when i oh relay no this news there was a radio station in my city um that played like alternative and rock like paramore like that kind of stuff like stuff that's not on top 40 it was like the alt girls and bands i'm still not over it They <laughs> changed the station and it's like not on FM anymore. Oh. Yeah, they were like, we're moving to this. I don't even know how to find it on the radio anymore. And either like, you can listen online. I'm like, one, I'm not going to do that. Sorry. I love you guys so much, but I'll just put Spotify on. <laughs> and like, I used to,
R&B. And sometimes mm. you get those good 90s hits on there. Nice. So I'll take that. But like, I miss my alt station. You would. I mean, like, it's one, it's alternative music, which has a bigger range than people think. And like, two, yeah. just they tend to have bangers. As But you mentioning the R&B station, though, reminding me of, do you remember, let's see, mid to late um, 2000s when the top 40 started mixing with the hip hop and R&B station? Yes. <laughs> like, I feel like the first time I actually truly paid attention to that outside of the R&B girl, R&B girlies getting like on top 40 just because, you know, they have a better time crossing over was when they wouldn't let Amelie go. Like so it, felt, it felt played every hour, if not every 30 minutes, because that was a, <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. like the song. And I, I remember the first time I was like, is that our top 40 station? Is that the pop station playing a milli as best they can? <laughs> like just Did your top 40 stations go through a phase where it was like all like it wasn't EDM yet. It was like that house like dance remixes. No. So like when Cobra Starship and what Black Eyed Peas, um, when they were doing all that synth uh music. Mm-hmm. That's when we started getting it. It was that was back during that era when all of the pop hits had to have some kind of like if you said the EDM dance uh, mix in it, but it wasn't mm-hmm. actually the EDM artists themselves. Like I, I can't really think of one that was playing, except for David Guetta, <laughs> that was playing mm-hmm. often um, that I remember by name. But yes, I do remember the way it sort of. Everything was ins, 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 ins mm-hmm. for a while there. Yeah. I remember growing up too, there'd be like Friday night dance groove. And like after a certain time, the top 40 just turned into like a club. And it's like you're six years old in the back seat driving home from your brother's baseball game. And it's just, I can't think of any of the songs right now, but it was just like the strangest. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so strange that it just like, who's dancing in their car? But whatever, go off. I mean, see, I would listen to that when I was being driven by my parents, especially my dad. It would be The Quiet Storm. Like, I would just be listening to smooth jazz in the backseat. Smooth jazz. (laughs) We had a smooth jazz station, too, that closed. Oh. The worst. Yeah. I mean, that, but that, like, provokes memories of, like, road trips for me. Like, so I'm always, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, that sounds nice. But after, like, five minutes, I... I, I have to get the headphones out because that's just yeah. not my music. Because I, I remember It's Dark. We're driving through whatever state and they've been listening to The Quiet Storm for the longest time. Sometimes like, you get restless. Yeah. Because I used to play that like, along with lo-fi beats. I'd put smooth jazz on or like some sort of like jazz with lo-fi beats mixed in to write with. And sometimes I'd be like, okay, I can't silence is better like it was a vibe for a little bit but now i'm just like feeling antsy for some reason mm-hmm. i feel you though i think so oh i forget what i was going to say oh but you know when you're little you take on your parents tastes mm-hmm. so when you're little you're listening to your parents music and it was a lot of quiet storm and hip-hop and oldies like the songs you play at the cookout too like there's just something mm-hmm. about the the wonderfulness of hearing like Stevie Wonder or the Temptations or the Four Tops, the Supremes, like it's just fun. Mm-hmm. It takes me back to my youth running around in the summer with my cousins. 
you know? Um, and I listen to those songs still now, but I feel like the songs that you listen to when you're younger are the songs that feel the most like home. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I got my music taste, I think, from my family, too. My mom wasn't as, like, big into music. Like, she'd find a song that she liked, and, like, it'd be her jam for, like, two years until she found another one. <laughs> but growing up, she loved, uh, when I was growing up, she loved Janet Jackson. She had the Velvet Rope. My dad loved, he was, like, big into, like, 70s rock, because that was when he was in college, I think. Um, but a lot of my music taste comes from my older brother. Uh, he, both of my brothers are older. Um, but he loved like R&B. So like, that's where I get my love for R&B. Like he'd watch Mm 106 in park. He'd download all the songs, <laughs> watch all the videos. And like, that's, I have a lot of nostalgia for like nineties R&B with like next and jagged edge, mm -hmm. all those groups. Um, But then there's a whole other aspect of my taste that is just completely my own. Because, like, nobody nobody got me into Britney Spears, you know? Like, I was young enough but old enough to still remember how it felt hearing Baby One More Time for the first time. And just, like, it was, like, there's always... I think there's an artist where it's just love at first sight. True. And for me, being that young and seeing Britney, it was, like, oh... We're in this for the long haul. <laughs> And I never left. <laughs> those memories are so great i feel like for me um i had my my earliest memories are actually of michael jackson um these it's funny because y'all know this I have, i have two dads and they have disparate tastes so um one really it has the eclectic taste i believe i get my rock music and um Kind of like influences with funk and soul and everything from him and then my other dad um he's very much in the hip-hop lane and he likes jazz and, and like I would steal his CDs because he would always have like the Mariah Carey ones too so I would like I would I'm I'm taking your CD and he'd be like you're what I was like I'm taking it you're not recording with it right now I'm taking it and I would like I would like play like music box um And, but my mom, she's more of like, whatever is a radio hit, that's what she enjoys. She's not like a big music person, but when she really loves someone like Whitney Houston, she really loves them. But like for me at three years old, vividly, I remember my Michael Jackson tape that my dad with the eclectic taste recorded for me and I wore it out, Reed. There was a, <laughs> there was a section because he had recorded all the concerts that had uh, aired on TV. And including the music videos. And there was a there's a blue spot in the tape from my favorite section. Oh no. Uh, and you can't you couldn't fix that. So like I remember I was so heartbroken when it turned blue and I wanted him to fix it and he couldn't fix it. He had promised that he'd make me a tape, but of course that never actually ends up happening because you can't do that. Those were the that was the, the the single tape but i always like would fast forward through the blue section sad until we got to was it another concert or was it i want to feel like it was beat it that came next i can't remember but that was that was like my artist um and it's so funny to me that like at three that was michael was it for me but by the time i got to my teen years it very much was paramore and fall boy in my chemical romance i remember when the video i believe for teenagers dropped because my friend at the time uh he was he was uh he had came because he was picking up his siblings but my mom ran a daycare at the time 
Um, and we had turned MTV on and they were dropping the video and all you could hear was us jumping up and down <laughs> and, and like, in like singing the song, they were like, y'all getting there. We're like, yeah, you definitely That's are. one of my, one of my, I think, looking back, one of my biggest, like, music regrets was um, in middle school when the, like, pop punk, it felt like a renaissance or, like, it was just at the height of its popularity when we were in, at least when I was in, like, middle school, it was when it was really popular, like, Fall Out Boy and My Chemical Romance, all of them. I, it just felt like every, it, I didn't feel, I don't know how to describe this. I acted like I hated it just because it was always on the radio. It was popular. It's what every, there were, when you're a kid, <laughs> okay, try to, my brain is going so fast. When you're a kid, there are, um, there are people, peers who you might not like, stay with me, um, either because they are mean or you see their behaviors and you're like, I don't, I'm not connecting to that. You are, I, there's just people that you don't get on with. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? And sometimes when you learn what they like, you're like, I don't, I can't. I so like there were, there were people, I think, growing up that, um, you know, you just, I just did not gel with for other, for some reasons. And if they liked a certain song, I'm like, nope, not doing sugar. We're going down. <laughs> but you know, decades removed from that, I have a, an appreciation for those, for that music. And maybe it is just like t being removed from that time period. It doesn't, you can't, you don't associate that music with those people or that frame of mind. Cause you know, I think we've all seen the movie eighth grade or have heard of it. Being a tween is an interesting experience and you have a lot of emotions. And if you're, a certain kind of kid sensory details really impact like your memories and how you feel. So like I I did, I couldn't listen to music that I didn't like, or like, I don't just some things like you find out some kid likes this movie and you're like, not watching that movie. Um, so I, I feel like I made a point and then I lost my train of thought, but I, I think I got my point across. You did, so like there are two, different types of experiences, particularly in your preteen years musically that I feel like people go through. Either you're rejecting a certain type of music because of who in your school or in your life, your community is listening to Yeah, like to a negative it. association. Yeah. Or then, see, I was on the other side of it where, um, you know, hip hop music and R&B music was, was the music that my peers were listening to in middle school. And I enjoyed it, but I didn't enjoy it as much as them. But I found myself watching 106 and Park more than I probably would have been watching it because I wanted to feel more connected with my fellow sixth and seventh graders. Mm -hmm. By the time that I hit eighth grade, I really was, it, Paramore had taken over. So I'm sitting follow up boys. So there was just was, <laughs> I, I remember sitting on the blacktop, like, headphones on in my Hot Topic hoodie. It was a Tinkerbell one that my mom got me for Christmas. And these black baggy pants. I was in dress code, but still trying to be as punk as possible. And just listening to my music. By that, I had, by that time, I had abandoned my the South Pole and the baby that.
for like baggier clothing because that was what I felt more comfortable in. I You feel were like, on trend. That was the big trend when we were in when we were teenagers. and I and that had been briefly important to me. <laughs> <laughs> and then See, as do you do you look back on that and cringe or are you like, yeah, that was me? And you're like, I don't want to say proud, but like you respect that version of yourself. I respect her in the sense that like the fashion sense was on point, but I feel I was happy that by the time I got to like the latter part of eighth grade, I felt more comfortable wearing the fashions that I was actually interested in. rather Yeah. than what everybody was what what everybody else was wearing i looked nice in both so i was like well let me just wear what's more comfortable for me like there's nothing wrong with like homegirl and the baby fat you know like she she was rocking the outfit but it wasn't exactly me um so i tried to like like what's on trend and then like switch it up with what i actually wanted to wear Yeah, I asked that for two reasons. One is because when I was during that time in my life, I had no fashion sense. I didn't use it to express myself. I was just like, whatever's on the clearance rack at AirPods. Because <laughs> that was where you shopped, at least in my town. It was like AirPostle, Hollister. Although there were trends that I just did not subscribe to. Like, do you remember those boat shoes, fairy shoes? Were those big in your area? I feel like boat shoes were, but I feel like they were dockers for us. It was Sperry's. I'm like, those, they're not comfy. Why are we all wearing them? I didn't have any. I was always Vans and still am. But I feel like I didn't come into my own like fashion sense. Even after college, I didn't know. I was just putting things on, you know, to wear clothes. You know what I mean? I didn't use it as a, um, as like a way to express myself until like adulthood, which I mean, you see me now. You didn't see me then. You see me wearing merch. for my favorite artist, which is something that I didn't know I could do until I was in my 20s. <laughs> um, and then the second reason I asked is because I feel like it's a big thing that musicians go through is they look back 10, 15 years removed and they're like, oh, that album was not me. That music I made was not me. That the clothes I wearing that was not me. And I feel like that happens so much to, I guess, maybe specifically people our age where... I don't know, I feel like we're conditioned to disavow the people we were before. And I, I, I mean, I get it. I know, you know, you look back and you're like, oh, what was I doing? What was that? Like, it's not that serious, but you just like see things and you're like, why did I wear cargo shorts for so long? Um, but I do have a, a big respect for the musicians that are able to carry every version of themselves into the future and be like, that was me. The music still hits. It may not be what I'm up to now, but like... The fans love it, so I'm going to respect it. I'm not going to name names because I think if you're a fan, you you know which way your favorite artist has leaned on that discourse. Um, but I think it's an interesting thing that comes up with artists is like, I hated that song. And I'm like, what? Everyone's like, we love that song. What are you talking about? I think someone recently was like a song, one of their older songs started playing and the artist was like, I don't play that song anymore. I hate it. And everyone on Twitter was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's your biggest hit. <laughs> I do think that is always funny. I mean, I think we do, because artists are just like us, to like allow like grace for that. 
I think, but to me, it's so funny looking back at pictures of yourself when you're younger, when you're trying to figure out what works for you. And uh, maybe the thing that you were wearing were on trend or they were quirky, but you enjoyed them. Like, I love looking at pictures of when I was younger, especially during my, I wasn't exactly a scene kid, but I loved like a rockish element. Um, so there was always something with guitars. Or like, or skulls, um, or I was particularly in black with a studded belt. Like it was a thing. She was a moment. I enjoyed her. I think she was pretty cool. And like, I'm not there anymore, but I feel like it's just fun to see the evolution of yourself. And for artists, you get to see the evolution of yourself and your music, which I think that is so cool. Unless of course, you know, it was if they were an artist who had a certain sound that they then changed in order to get on. And so that's why that period in time is a struggle for them because they felt like they weren't being themselves. It wasn't like they were making a more radio-friendly version of their, themselves. They were making a version that wasn't at all like them. Yeah, I guess I have to remember, too, that um, what I was just saying was, like, being in a certain time and associating certain music with certain events, like, maybe performing that song happened during a time that they were not at their happiest or, like, something happened and it reminds them of that song. I'm, I'm going to go easier on them after I just came to that realization. <laughs> but it is sometimes disheartening to fans when an artist is like, oh, I hated that song. It was not me. And you're like... What does that, I like it. What does that mean for me? <laughs> I know. I feel like other than like, it's just different tastes. Though I think for this reminding me of a thing that I did want to say, which is that fans have to let artists evolve. And sometimes Yeah. that means you get off the train. Like I really don't like when people, if you liked a certain era, then you liked a certain era and you don't like this new era, that's fine. But I feel like to try to get an artist to be like they were maybe even 10 years ago, just isn't the wave or the motion. Mm -hmm. And sometimes um, on the other side of that, too, it can be toxic to demand an artist to constantly reinvent themselves. That is so unfair. And I think there's a Taylor Swift quote about it, which I'm not even going to try to paraphrase. Google it because it's really good about how women are expected to like change up their look, change up their sound, continue to reinvent themselves so no one gets bored. Um, I think they can get pigeonholed in that too because I mean when a new artist releases a new song it's like everyone's like what is it going to sound like is it going to be completely different and if it's not it's like oh everything sounds the same which I think that is a claim for a lot of artists here's a soapbox that we didn't talk about before we started recording <laughs> is when I feel like that's a criticism that has lobbed at so many particularly women in the industry it's like oh all her songs sound the same and I'm like Do you only know the hits? Are you listening to the album? Are you hearing the deep cuts? Because you're incorrect. Just baseline, you're incorrect. And I, I will call one particular artist out. Not that... Okay, let me talk. Uh, talk through this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, my mind is racing again. Like, I want to get on the soapbox. Pink, the artist Pink. Everyone Mhm. <laughs> mm says all her songs sound the same. And I'm like... They don't. Even the hits don't sound the same. They don't. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Did you, if you listen to her albums, even her albums don't all sound the same. Like one singular album, there's so many different sounds within that album. And I'm like, so 
tell me you only listen to the hits without telling me you only listen to the hits. Did yeah. I say that correctly? Yeah, you I did. Know. I just think it's so unfair to be like, all her music sounds the same. It's like, you, you gotta do the research before you make those sweeping claims. <laughs> well, that and because there is a particular way singles are dropped in the in the first place. I mean, it's I, marketing. It's marketing, but I also feel like it's is it true that sometimes the singles they chose were the wrong ones when you listen to the album? Yes, yeah, sometimes that's true. But I also think that if a single, if the first single that drops sounds a little bit like the previous one, that's on purpose. They're bridging the gap. They're bridging the gap. They, they're trying to get the people they know will buy to come listen to the song and then spread it for for everything else. But also, y'all, just because the single tends to be a ballad every time doesn't mean the song sounds the same. It just means that we keep going forward yeah, with the ballad. Or if it's upbeat and it's like, sure, she's put out put out another banger, but it's not the same. I don't know. It's confusing to me. I get it. Well, especially because there's always going to be complaints. Like there's just. Always. And that can't that can't be helped. Uh, for instance, like to talk about King B, she Renaissance is not for everybody, and I think that is one of the things that some people did not, you know, negotiate well when it dropped. Because uh, if you were not a fan of dance music, it was not going to be an album for you. And I feel like that is okay. I think I feel like sometimes if you do have to get off the train for an album, this journey for this per- for this artist that you adore then you have to get off the train. Maybe meet yeah. them back for, for another album. Maybe it's just not for you. Or maybe uh, put the album, you know, when a, a popular artist releases an album, there's inevitably discourse. Mm-hmm. People are sharing their opinions, their reviews, they're claiming songs, they're saying this one's a skip, they're saying, how do you like that one? They're saying this one's the best. Sometimes... I like to, maybe I'll listen to the album and if I'm kind of like tepid on it, like I'm like, eh, you know, I let it marinate for a little bit and I revisit it when the discourse has died down so I can hear it with fresh ears. That is like not being, my judgment isn't being clouded by what other people are saying. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to do that. Let something like sit for a sec. And I also think there's something to be said about living with music for a little bit before you give your final judgment which is why sometimes with reviews i'm like okay you listen to the album one time (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know i just like letting music become a part of my life to see how it then changes to me the way i hear it the way i listen to it and that's not always a luxury we're gonna afford to every artist it's something that will probably happen with your favorite artist you'll like maybe on first listen you're like what the hell is the song and then in like four months you're like i get it now so you just got to live with it for a little bit not not that's not to say you have to force yourself to like the music that your favorite artist put out but i think sometimes things take time it takes an association it takes a memory it takes just hearing it at the right moment there have been so many like um not just with music too but like there's like a, a tv show that you're like putting off and then when you finally watch it you're like this was the time i was meant to watch this because it means more to me now than it would have six months ago when everyone was talking about it or like when it was popular there have been so many of those moments where like i discover an artist who is you know they have i mean most artists have like a lot of fans but if there's an artist that i've been kind of like i knew of but like hadn't really engaged with their work and then i come to them and like this was the moment that i was supposed to hear this music 
maybe that's a little too like spiritual and in the universe mm -hmm. for some people, but I think that it really is about the stars aligning sometimes about with certain music. You have to hear it when it, when you're, when you can let it in, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's funny because I feel like people understand that for books, but they seem to not understand that for music. Like sometimes you are not in a place to, if, particularly if you're in a sad place, perhaps you don't want to hear someone's entire upbeat album. Yeah. Or if you're in a really good place and you know, especially if an artist has spoken about this widely, that the album is a body of work that is them working through something that happened to them. Maybe it's not the right time for you to to listen to it. If we do that with books and we do that with television shows and we do that with movies, why wouldn't you be able to do that with music? Why wouldn't yeah. you be able to just be like, you know what, I'm not in the right frame of mind to listen to this album. So I'm just going to park it. Like I'll meet you back in a month or two. Or I might yeah. not meet you back for like a year or so. It really just depends. Yeah, it really does depend. And that's fine. I have... I mean, I don't know if you felt like, if you've ever felt like this, but I always feel like everyone wants to weigh in so badly that either they force themselves to watch something or listen to something that they're just not ready to listen to, or mm -hmm. they do it and we haven't taken into account how we might personally feel about a genre or how we might personally feel about yeah. you know the, the songwriting. Because I feel like that when people say, "Oh, such and such album isn't good." And I'm like, is it is it that it's not good or is it in a genre that you don't listen to? So you don't really know what the expectations of that genre is. Yeah, I think it's important to take into account that something can be good, but also you just don't like it. Mm -hmm. That's something I say all the time where like if I watch a show and I, I'm not a fan, but I can see that like, oh, it's good. It's a good show, but it's just not for me. Mm -hmm. Like I think not to get on a pedestal like that's I don't do that all the time like when I'm firing off on all cylinders and trying to be a decent human being like that's how I think and that's how I express my opinions but <laughs> sometimes it, you know you you're like oh, whatever this sucks but um I tried to like take into account that you know creating art takes hard work and then somebody put stuff put their heart and soul into something that I don't like to just write it off even mm -hmm. if it's an artist that I really don't like um and there are a fair share of those that I've expressed that I do not like certain artists for whatever reason. Recognizing like that's a good song, but like I just don't ever want to listen to it. <laughs> I feel you. I mean, I will not name names, but I feel like there's sometimes there are songs that pop off and you're like, this is this is really I can see why people are enjoying it. But I can also tell you I will not be listening to it myself personally ever again mm. i think that that doesn't always need to be shared though <laughs> no i'm like in, to go back to your original point like if you like hip-hop and rap maybe you shouldn't be reviewing a straightforward pop album if you're not a pop person like if that's if you just don't because i feel like there's some people that have eclectic taste and but I feel like if you exclusively listen to one genre, and it's not like if you exclusively watch a certain type of television or movies, some things are not for you. So like, if you are not a horror person, why are you reviewing the horror movie? If you are not a pop person, why are you reviewing the latest pop album? It's always going to be negative because it's a genre that you don't enjoy. 
And that would not necessarily be a problem if people were better at removing their personal selves from it and just going forward with like, according to my ear, this is what this album is doing. This is what I like about it from an objective standpoint, but we don't often do that. So it ends up being subjective. So it's like, ah, it's derivative. It Like we, so-and-so sounds just like the other artists on the radio. And it's like, Ugh, I hate comparison. Too. <laughs> like, well, and then it's like, that's not necessarily true. Like pop actually hasn't been in this lane for a few years now. So the person is actually doing something different, even if they are referencing music from, from a previous era. Like it's actually not the, actually I am going to say something. 1989 for when Taylor dropped her album. And I remember that like, of course, if you were Taylor Swift fan, you enjoyed it, but there were people being like, oh, but she's just doing what other pop people do. And I was like, but she was a country artist. So yeah. it's diff it's not the same thing. She's playing in a pool that she's never played in before. And honestly, it still did sound different from what other yeah, people in the pop lane like, were doing. Yeah, that synth stuff hadn't really hit yet. I feel like that was one of the first like mm -hmm. big bodies of work that brought that sound back. Yeah, but I it, it, she it was written off a bit. It was because because oh, it's just a country artist doing a pop album. Like she doesn't she shouldn't be here. And it's like, well, no, actually, for her to be from a different genre, to be doing a straightforward pop album, it bangs. Mm -hmm. Like, it just really does. It's one of my favorite albums of hers. I also think Reputation took pop in a different direction. It did. Oh, my God. There's nothing like the first half of that album. <laughs> <laughs> the whole album is amazing. I love Taylor. But those ugh, those mad as hell bangers, mm -hmm. like, I did something bad. Like, I, she's never done that kind of pop. Like, that mm -hmm. is in my opinion, such a standalone like sound and song that she's done in her catalog. Like nothing has ever sounded like I did something bad again. And even, oh my God, I remember when Look What You Made Me Do came out. Oh, it was just delicious. <laughs> Everyone was like, what is this? Even my friend, not to call her out, but she is my fellow like Taylor obsessed person. We always know that a Taylor album is going to be really good when she first listens to it. And she's like, I'm disappointed <laughs> because <laughs> her initial reaction is always kind of like, ah, but then like in a week, she's like, OK, I'm obsessed because it's like always like kind of jarring to hear like the new music. Um, But when Look What You Made Me Do came out, I was giddy. I was laughing. I got the jokes in the song. Like I like I knew that she wasn't being serious. I knew we were in for an unserious like uh, era of her where she was just going to be like rolling her eyes and like whatever and she was like I hate it <laughs> then a week she was like I got it it's yeah I'm I'm with you now um, oh, I remember hearing that song for the first time and just being so giddy and just like oh my god she did it <laughs> and it is, it is so exciting when an artist enters into a new era and you know it's going to be big felt that way about Lemonade and when Formation dropped. Mm -hmm. And it sounded like nothing I had ever heard her do. It was fun. Like, it had a message. And, yes, like, I feel like every album is like, I've never heard Beyonce do this before. But, like, it's just, there is just something about the change up in sound. And I, I think there needs to be more credit given for, for that, for artists who do decide to like experiment and change, especially for albums that do stand the test of time. I don't just mean lyrically, but like sound wise, sometimes you can, you can hear a sound, um, um, we listened to an album from way back and like, Ooh, we did the trendy sounds. And so the mm -hmm. production value 
now, like a few years later, it just doesn't sound as good. It sounds dated. Um, and you, you might be like still grooving, but there's just something about it that's just like, mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes too, jumping off of that, there's some fans that hold a certain artist's, there's an album or a song that they hold to be like the epitome of that artist. Hmm. And if a new release does not match that or exceed that, it's like, why did they even try? And I think it can be so unfair. The comparison in pop music is, I think one of, do I want to say this? It's toxic. It's the, in that, in those fandoms, it can be so, it's the it's awful to witness and to see what it how it trickles to the artists we're like this is a, a soapbox that i could talk about in its own episode katie perry talking about her past two albums and how someone somewhere the collective decided teenage dreams what she needs to hit or exceed every time she releases an album. Forgetting that, okay, am I on this soapbox? You are, but it's fine. <laughs> Cut me off if I go too far into the <laughs> Katie Cat land. Um, forgetting that after Teenage Dream, she followed up with Prism, which had two number one hits on it that are two of her biggest hits, Roar and Dark Horse. And when she released Witness in 2017 and suddenly became all about like, oh, it's not as good as Teenage Dream. And then when she really smiled, it's like, it's not as good as Teenage Dream. And it's like, why does it need to be? So what's funny about that, though, is that the word teenage is literally in that title. It's almost as if she's not allowed to grow past young adulthood. Yeah. They see her as the, the, the bubbly pop star with the dark hair. And her getting a blonde pixie cut was just like too much for some people and i will never understand how the hair impacted the way people heard the music i, I just she's unfortunately always had to go through that i feel like for those of us who really enjoyed mannequin and there was that one song from um the sisterhood of the traveling pants that also played on one hill which is escaping you that's one of my favorite, favorite songs simple simple, simple. Is my favorite song of hers like when she moved past that sound it there was an issue when she moved past one of the boys, there was an issue. When she moved past Teenage Dream, California Girls, there was an issue. I just feel like every time yeah. she she either expands her sound or just goes in a different direction and still in the pop world, it becomes an issue. And it's not, it's tied to her music. It's tied to her image. Like when she was, um, she kind of had the scene kid hair in a way, as far as like the black long hair slash bangs situation going on. Yeah, and, she was the warp tour girl in the beginning of her career. Yeah, and then when she changed from that style, um, she was called out as selling out, but she didn't. She just changed her sound. And then I just feel like if there's an artist who keeps seeming me to get into trouble for changing, it's Katie. No, like, like, <laughs> I don't I don't get it. I don't I maybe I'm biased because like she's my like number one. Um, but I don't know. I just sit back and I think it's so there's deeper it's not just her, you know? Like it's it's the the criticisms that I think are lobbied against her artistry, it goes it it goes deeper than just her.
it's a lot of women in the industry that, you know, why'd you do that? Why'd you do this? You shouldn't, you have to be this person that we knew 15 years ago. You have to, it's just can be impossible, which, you know, we learned about in the Barbie movie. <laughs> that America Ferrera speech is it's home. It's so real. It's one, which is why she should have been nominated for things this this award season. Um, Golden yeah. Globes. Where were you? Yeah. Even the discourse around that speech, it's like, ugh, is anybody tired yet? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, she even had to come out and be like, yes, I'm aware it's feminism 101, but some people need feminism 101. Um, and which is the thing that um, that confused me about some of the criticism around that speech, because if you already know what she's talking about, the speech isn't for you. So why are you critiquing it? It's just a it? friendly reminder. But that movie also was targeted to a younger audience. Mm -hmm. And it re resonates with all ages. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but to circle back to what you were saying about artists not really being able to evolve without there being, in some cases, backlash. I was thinking about like Paramore. Um, for some people, Riot, which isn't their debut. I think All We Know Is Falling is their is their debut. But Riot is is their sophomore album is the album that they're always judged against. And, okay, um, so I wasn't really, like, I like Paramore. I'm not, like, a stan, but, like, I've constantly been, like, aware of them. Um, so when they got the huge hit with 10 years ago now for the self-titled album with Ain't It Fun, and then mm -hmm. what was the other one that was a hit from that album? Oh. Ain't It still... Fun. Uh, still Into You. Yes. Mm -hmm. Did people take issue with that album? And then you, second question, the album, I think after that, after laughter, when they had that sound, it kind of got like poppier. Mm -hmm. Did people take issue with that? Those two like switches. So there's a thing about um, bands who grew up in like an emo in pop punk lane that when they move out of it, they don't struggle. They get, they tend to, you know, they tend to do well, but our fans who enjoyed them struggle, right? Like after, it's more so with after laughter um, that people are like, oh, it's, it, the sounds poppy. Like, and as a, well, they were a pop punk band. I mean, pop was going, yeah. like it was gonna become a thing as they go. I'm sure the same thing happened with Panic at the disco. Well, see, Panic did pretty odd right out like right after their their debut I so love people that song on that album <laughs> not in, in the afternoon, afternoon. yes yeah. <laughs> so i think people kind of just just accepted that it was always going to sound different um for for them but i don't think that really was the case for paramore i feel like everyone's like well this this is great it's still rockish but why is it at the next album it sounds less rock and less rock and stuff it's like because the band's moving away from that sound um I just think I love Riot as an album and it has and, and it aged really well. But I think people need to remember that the band was like 15, 16. Mm -hmm. yeah. Why would you want her uh and them really to sound like they did when they were like kids banging it out? You know, like it's, it's fun, still, but like still to I mean we've talked a little bit about this too, but goes back to like when people are like oh i wish they were making this music still and it's like well that music still exists you can mm -hmm. still listen to it and i think that the 
double standard. I don't know if I'm using that correctly, but like even if they did continue any artist, I'm not just saying Paramore, but like if they continued to make the same music, then they'd be like, oh, they're always doing the same thing. So it's like you can't win either way. No, you can't. And, like and if, this is if why Olivia it's different Rodrigo too. released her third album and it was still purple album cover and she was still doing her pop punk and her ballads, they'd be like, she doesn't change. And it's like, why does she have to? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like if she wanted to, she could. But if she doesn't, let the girl put a purple album cover out and keep doing what she wants to do. She's still young. She's still growing. Yeah, well, and then so there are certain genres that just lend themselves to youth. And I Yeah. think pop punk is one of them. I feel like eventually there's only but so much like distance, like, well, not distance. What am I thinking of? There's only so much growth you can have in certain genres just because of the way that Yeah. they're developed. Like, it's like, well, when people are like, well, these these famous rock bands sound the same. It's like, well, yeah, metal is a, is a type of genre you can just grow in. Like standard rock is a is a genre that you can just grow in, but usually the subgenres, I feel like there's not much room unless you start bringing in other elements. And sometimes people don't like when you bring in those other other elements. Mm -hmm. and it's like there's a reason why all of the disney channel stars of our age their first albums were all rock influenced miley cyrus demi lovato Mm -hmm. selena gomez in the scene like those all those first albums jonas brothers all of those were all very much like mid-2000s pop punk influence and if you continue looking at their discography they move further away from it maybe they come back to it like demi and miley have I don't think the Jonas Brothers have, right? They, they're doing No. Sucker and Waffle House, all those bops. Yeah, it's still very poppy. Um, it's just more like road vocal. Yeah. But there's a reason why that that's a there's an it's an entryway. I feel like Well, into yeah. music. Well, also because it's like one of the things that makes pop rock so good because it's like a child punk. You don't really need a lot of skill to play. Obviously, if you can, like, I mean, the Paramore, like, they were just... talented but like it's like what did they say three chords in the truth Yeah. and then so you don't and you don't really need to know a lot it's a growing type of genre while other genres you need to know like even in pop which people don't really understand is that is all about structure and people like pop's so easy pop's actually very difficult pop's Yeah. very difficult not that but it's popular music like yes but there's need hooks It needs to have, Yeah, maybe a it bridge. was catchy, a bridge. Um, and at, at the end of the day, you also have to have like an it factor. Yeah. It's very much about image too. Yep. Yeah. Because there are some songs that are meant for other artists that other artists get them and they become a hit. And you're like, what would have happened if that artist got it? And it's like, well, obviously it found the correct person to be the vessel for that song. I don't know. It's a big, it's a big thinker It is. in pop music. And I think I remember writing something like 10 years ago about like in defense of pop music because it was getting written off so much in that like Katie Gaga heyday in 2013. And I'm like, I don't understand why it gets written off when it takes talent. Like you can't just like just some rando can't put out a pop album and be, get number one hits. Like you got to have something. You know what I mean? It's not Mm just hmm the song. And at the end of the day, it's not just fluff. It can mean something to somebody. Even if it's not a piano ballad or it's not about something deep. Like there's a song, there can be just some random 
not a random pop song. I don't want to sound like I'm writing anything off, but like something that someone might just be like, oh, it's just, you know, fluffy pop song. And it's like, but that can mean something to somebody. It can be there for them. I have a, a vivid memory of my freshman year of college driving home after class like the first week and I wasn't a very experienced driver at the time like I, I had to take the interstate to get to my college and I you know hadn't really done that much um and I remember there was one on ramp that just really gave me so much anxiety to get on and like just to turn into and to get on the interstate just and my heart would beat and I'd be like oh this is so much and I would always put a certain Britney song on when I was doing that. And I'd be like, okay, come on, Britney. <laughs> <laughs> like I just needed her essence in the room to like get me through that. And like, it wasn't any of her like deeper songs. It was, I think it was till the world ends. Which is fun. It's a fun song. And like, I just needed her to pump me up. And like, I still hold that memory of like, that's an important moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for people to write off certain artists or certain genres of music, I'm like, maybe we should all just like let people like things. <laughs> yes. Same with, okay. Same with like, let people like country if they like country. <laughs> True. I had to age into that because I did, listen, I didn't get country. Sometimes I still don't, but I'm like, you're not hurting anybody. Listen to your country. It's fine. I found country that I like. Look, growth. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but like, I do, I feel that way though. I feel like that there's just a lot of, especially, you know, when you're in a, maybe a friend group or just in an area in which they listen to a specific genre. Uh, and then if you don't listen to that genre, it becomes an issue. And it's like, yeah. just let people like what they like. I mean, if they love a banjo, liked... let them. I love a banjo. Yeah, I've liked songs outside of like my taste because it reminds me of a friend or like, mm -hmm. I might have hated that artist or song going into it, but we were together having fun. They played it. And then I look back on that memory and I'm like, maybe I don't. Like, <laughs> it's a big thing. Association, sensory details. Like, I don't have a specific example. I wish I had one. But, like, there are certain, like, songs where I'm like, I thought I hated that, but it reminds me of somebody that I really care about. <laughs> That's nice. I feel like, so you're, when you play for a song for your friends... <laughs> And you're like, they're like, I'm gonna let you have that one. Like, mm -hmm. I sometimes I love playing songs that I feel like they wouldn't like. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like, cause I, I mean, I, speaking of vivid memories, I remember me and my friend went to go see a movie and she was asking me what I'd been listening to lately. I was like, oh, let me play it for you. Reed, I had her up in the car listen to Fiddle Get Down. <laughs> like, she, what song? I don't remember which song it was. Um, but it was a song I was really obsessed with and it was a bluegrass song. And so <laughs> it's just us in the movie theater parking lot with the banjos just to go in and so is the fiddle. And I am like having the time of my life. And she's just <laughs> she, looking at me. She's like, love that for you. <laughs> yes. And we made it through a minute. Like, Would you like me to turn it off? She's like, you can finish it if you want to. I'm just going to be over here watching you enjoy it. I was like, no, we can stop. She laughed. But it's it's great sometimes just to be able to share like music with um your friends. Or she played me, um, it was a Cardi B song and it was off the debut album. Oh, why is it I can hear it playing in my head, but I can't remember it, the name of it. Um I'm familiar with most of her music. Oh, I wish I remembered it, but it 
as soon as the horns went off, I was dancing in my seat. She was like cackling as we were going down the road because I was getting my entire life to it. And there's just something about how communal music can be, It how is. fun it can be. And my friends and I really um, took advantage of that. Starting in high school, we'd make each other mix CDs just because we knew each other's taste and like, oh, you would like this song or like, you might, this might be outside your taste, but I feel like you'd like it. Like trying to like, you just share. It's like Pokemon cards. Like you exchange music. I remember one really fun day. Um, I used to have this CD case because back in the day, I'm talking just 10 years ago, cars used to come with CD ports <laughs> and you could put a CD in your car and listen to it. And that's what I did before, you know, aux cords and Bluetooth. I would put CDs in my car and I had a hamburger case that my friend got me. It was a big hamburger and you could open it and it had CDs in it. And I remember we all just went to my friend's house. We all had our laptops out. We put something music on the TV and we just like were swapping CDs to put on each other's computers so that we could like have them. And it was such a fun day that would not happen currently. No. And even CDs, like now you could just make a playlist and send a link to your friend. But I mean, we could have done that 10 years ago. But um, I have a long distance best friend. And for the first few years that she lived further away, we would mail CDs back and forth to each other. <laughs> and it was just a fun way to be connected and like to, even though you don't see them all the time or don't talk to them all the time, to hear what they're listening to, like what's bringing them joy, I think is really a fun way to not only get to know somebody, um, but to just... I don't know, it's connecting. It's a, a connective tissue in a lot of relationships. And there's so many playlists that I've made that feel so deeply personal to me <laughs> where it's like, I have a, a playlist that's just like all of the songs um, that I listened to in college. And that was a time where I, I just told the story, like I really turned to music to get me through a lot of like anxiety and strange moments. And it feels like if I ever shared that with somebody, it would be like opening up my diary. Didn't write mm -hmm. a single word. But like there are so many songs on there that just like are connected to moments and memories and feelings that it's like it feels so vulnerable sometimes to share the music you like. And that's why, too, like when people when sharing songs on your Instagram story became like the thing and everyone was like, no one cares what you share the music you share on your Instagram story. And I'm like, I do. <laughs> I want to know what you're listening to. I want to discover new artists. I want to know like what songs are making your life right now. Like I want to know. It's like. To me, it's it is a diary, like songs <laughs> and music. I like cataloging. I don't make as many like I used to make a playlist every month, Sabrina. Oh wow, the dedication. It like, yeah, it would have like thirty songs on it. Whatever I was listening to, the new stuff, like older stuff, like whatever was going on. And now maybe it's like quarterly. I make a playlist or like seasonally. I think she's still making them though. Yeah, it's harder when you're older. <laughs> it is the time. Like, is I feel like it's still your heart, right? But I don't think I felt the way that I had when I was a teenager, where it really did feel like uh, if you burned a CD for somebody, um, that you were really hoping that they liked the album, or if you made a mixtape for somebody that they really enjoyed it. Um, I would listen to 
my friend was into like metal and I really wasn't, but he would, he like burned me <laughs> to CDs. And I was like, I don't think it's for me, but like, you know, when I'm angry and I'm playing it, like that yelling, it really works for me. Like I, I understand it. Yeah. Um, And you get to know them. you do. And I actually made a, a Gatsby mixtape for a English class because <laughs> it was an option. It was the alternative. Um, it was the alternative option. I think you could, you could, Like do a presentation or you could make a, like a, a, a mixtape. Oh, 1000% is what that's what I would do. Yeah. And I, I was like, I had Belle Biv DeVoe on there. Like Poison was on there. I think it was for Daisy. <laughs> like, like, um, and there was something else, but I was like, my heart was in it. I was like, I hope my English teacher likes it. Cause I know he likes music. I got an A for it, but I was like, I hope he really enjoys it. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, just last year I made my own soundtrack for Red, White, and Royal Blue. <laughs> well, not even the movie, the book. Because <laughs> it was just so like theatrical and vivid that I couldn't help but hear certain songs when I was reading that book. It's a form of expression. We really got deep in this discussion of music. We did. I feel like though, if we don't stop, we'll be here for We'll like be two here hours. all day. Yeah. <laughs> so like, guys, this is it for this music pod. I'm sure we'll do one again this time with Michael. with Michael yeah Yeah. Um, and uh, let us know like what you're listening to, what your favorite music is, like what's formative for you. We'd love to, to know the artists and the bands that shaped who you are. yeah just give, give us a playlist Oh, as yes. lovers of playlists <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening and watching you guys. Way to CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. And I'm Reed. Bye.